So we are continuing this morning with our series called Consider Jesus. Um, if you were here with us last week, you would have been here and you would have heard us kick off this series in the book of Hebrews. As a church, we love scripture, we love the Bible, we love what it teaches us about Jesus, and we want to grow together in our knowledge of Jesus. We want to know him for who he really is. We don't want to just follow rumors of Jesus or religious ideas of Jesus or different perceptions of Jesus, but we want to know him intimately in our own hearts and in our own lives. And I want to let you know this morning that you can know Jesus personally. You don't have to go off secondhand information. You don't have to go off things that you've heard from someone else, but you can actually meet with Jesus personally in your own life and grow in that way. And so our um, hope and our heart is simply to facilitate that process with you, to help you to know Jesus better, to lead you closer to him, to, to make him big before you so that you can see him for who he really is. And we do that by looking at scripture and as a church, we've worked through different books of the Bible. It's one of the greatest privileges of my life that I get to preach through the Bible. And I hope that by the time I'm done uh, with preaching and I'm done with, which would be at the end of my life, because um, even if nobody else is listening to me, I'd just preach at my kids or somebody who would ever listen. Um, but right at the end of my life, I hope that I would have preached right through the Bible several times, um, because we can always just meet with Jesus in his word. He is his word, and his spirit is infused with it. And when we read the word, when we go through it, when not encountering information, we're not just encountering, encountering philosophy or a worldview, we're encountering Jesus himself, a real person who is present with us by his grace. And so this series based on the book of Hebrews is called Consider Jesus, because in all the considering that you do in life, in all of the, the ways that you, you forge through your own life and the decisions that you make and the challenges that you face and the, the moments that you go through, even in your own service of God, in your own worship of God, in your own desire to to improve your life and to grow, we want to ask you as the, the, the author of the book of Hebrews, and in fact, God himself asks us to consider Jesus. He asks us to look to Jesus and, and not to ourselves, that, that we would look to Jesus not only in moments of joy and moments of, of worship and, and moments here at church, but that we would look to Jesus in our failure that we would look to him in our weakness, that we would look to him in our struggles, that we would look to him in our pain, that we would look to Jesus in every moment and in every area of our lives. And so we're gonna continue this morning with a message that I wanna share with you called Consider Jesus in Your Weakness. Consider Jesus in Your Weakness. Won't you turn to the person next to you and say, won't you consider Jesus in your weakness? Won't you turn to the person on the other side and say, you're pretty weak, you should consider Jesus, right? You should consider Jesus. We shared a lot on this last week, and I want to encourage you to go and listen to the message that we've uploaded online. We put all of these messages into a playlist on soundcloud.com forward slash anchor dash Joburg, or you can just go to our website and find it there. We post the links on social media. However you get there, just go and listen to this and follow along with us in this series. Um, but the message of Hebrews is that Jesus is better, that Jesus offers us a better deal, better than the law, better than religion, better than human sacrifice, better than our own works of self-righteousness, better than us trying to work on ourselves to make ourselves better, to help ourselves, to fix ourselves, to save ourselves. There is a better option. It's the only option, in fact, and it is Jesus. Jesus. 
He is the only way that we can see our lives be transferred from darkness into light. He is the only way that we can see ourselves move beyond the things that we've never been able to, to beat down in our own strength. Have you ever tried to overcome something in your life and people tell you just be positive and fight hard and keep going and all those things are good but you find that down the line it's like a thing that if it's unchecked for too long it just surfaces again. Like you can never really deal with those things. And that's because we don't, no matter how much we tell ourselves that we can, actually have the ability to fix ourselves or save ourselves or change ourselves. We can change our habits, we can become more disciplined, and we can work on a, on a few things on the outside, but ultimately all we're doing is modifying our behavior. Now the message of, the, of Hebrews and the message of the Bible and the message of Jesus is not please come to church so that we can help you modify your behavior. We're not here to focus on your behavior. Do you know that a lot of churches, you have to behave before you can belong? And so a lot of people learn just what the subculture is and how they should behave, and they adapt to the system or the structure or the community, and then everybody goes, well, you're accepted now because you can behave the way that we want you to behave. But all along, they never are honest or never find the freedom to be honest about what's really going on in their lives, the things they really think about, the things they really struggle with, the things they really uh, struggle to work through. And so we don't want uh, to create a space, and in fact, God doesn't ever want his church to be a place where people come to be dishonest, where people come to, to just conform in the outside external to what looks like it's acceptable. What God offers us and what, God, what Jesus offers us and what the, the writer of Hebrews speaks to us about is that the salvation that we have in Jesus is something so much greater than that. It's not just you changing your behavior, but it's you being changed by the grace of God and the Spirit of God at work within you from the inside out. So, so we say that you don't have to behave before you can belong at Anchor Church. We say, in fact, first of all, if you have a heart to be a part of this community and to go on a journey with Jesus, then you belong before you even believe. Even if you do not believe in Jesus, you're welcome here at Anchor Church. Because we believe that once you have just found a place where you can belong, that's why we say that this is home. Because you can belong here before you believe. And we believe that as you hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit will speak to you, that you will come to a place where you will recognize truth. We're not asking you to believe in anything that we say that's not true. But when your soul recognizes truth, and trust me, it will. Trust me, it will. When your soul recognizes the truth of Jesus, you begin to believe. And as you believe, as Charles Spurgeon said, right believing leads to right living. So we, I'm not here to shout at you about how you're living your life. I'm here to show you Jesus so you can stop believing because I know everything else will take care of itself after that, right? And that's why it's so important for us to know that what God has done for us so that we can believe, so that we can belong, so that we can see our lives changed. Jesus didn't come to earth so that he could just add rules to our life. He didn't come to enlist you in some dead religious program. He came to bring a greater message, and this is what the writer speaks about in Hebrews 1. He says, in previous times, God has spoken in many ways. He spoke through the prophets. He spoke through the angels. He spoke through nature. He spoke through his creation. But now, in these latter days, God has spoken through his son. And so last week, we looked at how Jesus is everything that God has ever wanted to say to us. In Jesus, in the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, it shows us everything that we need to know about God. And that makes the message of Jesus the greatest message that exists in all of, of existence and that ever will exist. And also, it says that he's greater than the angels because the word angel, angelos, means messenger. Jesus is not just an angel but God came to deliver the message in person. 
He came as God. Jesus came uh, in the flesh, God in the flesh. It's the difference between sending somebody an email or a WhatsApp and a text and actually showing up at their front door and saying, here I am to deliver the message. This is not a secondhand message. This is not something we're guessing about. We got it firsthand from God himself in the flesh through Jesus. So God speaks through Jesus. In the past, we never had a complete picture. We just had bits of information, prophecies and words and and ideas about God that never came together in a full radiance. But now in Jesus, as Hebrews 1 tells us, we have the full radiance of God that's been revealed. And Jesus was the exact imprint of his nature. I love that because that means you can read through the Gospels if you're wondering, what is God really like? I've heard so many stories about God. What is he really like? Go and read through the Gospels and see how Jesus loved the poor. See how Jesus healed the sick. See how he had compassion on the hurting. See how he forgave and said to the woman caught in adultery, if these people don't condemn you, neither do I. Jesus was the only one who had the right to judge sin and condemn that woman for her sin. But instead he said, I choose mercy and I do not condemn you. That is God. That is what God is like. You want to know what God is like? That is what he is like. And so he delivered this great message to us, the exact imprint Jesus is everything that God wants to say to this broken world and to us in every single situation. And that is why God asks us through the book of Hebrews in Hebrews 3, 1 to 2, which is our foundational scripture. It says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling, all of us share in that heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Think about Jesus, who was the apostle and high priest of our confession. He is the pinnacle of our faith. He is everything that we believe. He is the fullness of all that we would ever need in Christ uh, and in God, who was faithful to him who appointed him. He completed the work that God sent him to do. He He did the work on the cross, and he is all that we will ever need. So God asks us to consider Jesus. And I believe that God asks us to consider Jesus in every single context. In every moment, not just in church, not just in moments of joy, but in our weakness, in our sin, in our struggles, in what we believe. And so what we're going to do over the the next uh, couple of weeks as we go through this series is we're going to talk about how Hebrews talks about um, every area in which you can consider Jesus. And the first one that I'm looking at today is consider Jesus in your weakness. Consider Jesus when you're weak. Consider Jesus when you fail. Consider Jesus when you struggle. Now, I'm not talking about consider Jesus like a WWJD thing. How many of you have had those bangles? Come on. They're probably still in the bottom of your, like, sock drawer somewhere, you know. You're like, we don't wear them anymore, you know, but but some people do. But they say, what would Jesus do? And I actually don't like the question, what would Jesus do? Because what that says is, I'm just looking at what Jesus, I think about what Jesus will do, and then in my own strength, I try to copy him, which is setting yourself up for failure. Because none of us are Jesus, right? We had a discussion in the band this morning where Julian sent out, uh, not this morning, yesterday morning, where Julian sent out messages to the band at around 6 a.m. in the morning. And everybody was saying, hey, Julian, it's super early for us to think. And Julian sent a scripture, and the scripture was of Jesus, how he rose early in the morning and prayed while it was still dark. (laughs) And then Ramon, one of our band members, sent a picture back where he circled Jesus. Jesus did that. (laughs) Not me, right? So Jesus got up early. I didn't get up early. (laughs) But here's the thing. The intent of our heart, our goal, our focus, our future is to look more like Jesus, to act more like Jesus, 
but only because we become more like Jesus. You cannot act or behave without becoming. Becoming precedes being, behaving. You cannot do before you've changed. And so we don't want to put you on a journey, on a fast track journey of trying to do before you've changed on the inside. And this is um, so vital for our faith that we must believe so that we can change. So what would Jesus do puts you at a disadvantage? Because now you're trying to be like Jesus in your own strength. A better bango, if I could make my own, would be what has Jesus done? I don't know what that would be, W-H-J-D, all right? So it's a little bit different, W-H-J-D, you might catch on, but, but what has Jesus done? Because what you need to look at is how he has redeemed you, how he has forgiven you, how he has saved you, how he has engaged with you, how he is present in your life, how he is working within you, and how he is leading you into the future. If you look at all of that, all the things that Jesus has already accomplished, that's when you'll be able to live in the way that Jesus lived, not before. So Hebrews 2 verse 1 says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. So again and again and again, this theme comes up in the book of Hebrews. Where the writer of Hebrews says to people, and I'm going to say it to you this morning, he says, listen, listen, listen to the message. Stop just taking the scriptures and going, okay, 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 I'll go do my own thing. Listen to the message. Stop. Pause. Don't run ahead. Don't become religious. Don't just try and think about how you're going to do things differently, but actually listen to the message of the gospel. Make sure that in your life, you understand what it is that Jesus has done. You understand what the grace of God really means. You understand this message. He says, lest we drift away from it. If we don't focus on the gospel and preach the gospel to ourselves every single day, we will always move back to religion. We will always move back to trying to help ourselves and save ourselves. So listen to the message of the gospel. Martin Luther said, every single week I preach the gospel to my people because every week they forget. And so that's what we do here at Anchor Church. I intend to never, ever, ever preach a message without sharing the gospel of Jesus in the midst of it. For since the message declared by angels, the message that was shared before by angels, proved to be reliable, even the, the message that the angels were sharing, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retrib retribution. In other words, there was a message that came that there is true judgment for sin. Judgment for sin exists outside of Jesus. And people will face judgment unless they submit to the grace that comes from God. He says, how shall we, if there is judgment for sin, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? If, if, if God is true, and there really is such a thing as, as heaven and hell, and there really is such a thing as, as, as judgment for sin and salvation from sin, how would we escape if God came and did everything that we needed in order to be redeemed and forgiven, and we put that aside, how would we ex escape that judgment? He says, it was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. So this message of the, of the gospel, it's, it's been declared by God. It's been declared by Jesus. He came to declare it. And those who heard it attested to, the, they, they testified of what it did in their lives. 
while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. In other words, God confirmed that this message of the gospel is the message. He sent it through his own son. He confirmed it with power, with, with wonders, with miracles. And so it's the message. It is the message of salvation. Don't neglect it. Because you will never be able to get around the judgment that is due without the grace of God, without this message of salvation. I don't know if you've ever watched one of those mafia movies. Have you ever watched mafia movies? Um, and you've got the mob bosses, and they always have this deep voice, and you know, they're these Italian guys, and, and um, even though they're only like five foot tall normally, like the, you know, the, the big boss uh, needs like an extra high chair just to make him seem a bit bigger, and he always has these really big kind of balding, dumb muscle around them that's kind of the enforcers, and and uh, they do these mob shakedowns. So, you know, you don't, you don't play your part. You don't pay your due. They bring you before the mob boss. And, and uh, you get shaken down and, uh, and beaten up a little bit. And you, you just hope to, to keep your life. And in every kind of mob movie, you'll always have um, somebody going and going, Hey, boss, where's, where's Jimmy? And he's like, Jimmy's sleeping with the fishes. You know, like, they're always sleeping, they're always sleeping with the fishes. Um, and so the thing about the mafia movies and sometimes I think the mafia in general, though, is that when you watch them, they also love going to church. They're like very religious people, you know? They, we, we put God first, and then we whack them on Friday. You know, it's like... <laughs> so, I mean, that's what the mafia bosses do. They always put in God first. It's God, it's family, and then it's business, you know? And, and, um, and so the problem is, is, that, is that a lot of times we're like these Christians, you know, like the mafia, they, they whack them on Friday, they go to church on Sunday. Like sometimes we're like the mafia bosses, hopefully not because you're whacking people on Fridays. But we have a lot more in common than we realize because we compartmentalize our faith. We make it a duty, we make it a thing that happens on Sundays, and we don't make it something we truly believe for our lives. We don't recognize our need for salvation in every moment of every day. And so we keep doing this thing about, well, as long as you put God first. You know what, people, what that means when people do that? They put God first, and by that they think, pray a prayer before you eat, or say your prayers before you go to bed at night, or go to church on a Sunday, then you've done your duty, and then you can live the rest of your life however you want. So putting God first, we often tell people, even though obviously it's good to put God first, but we tell people, don't put God first. Don't put Him in the front. Put Him in the center. It's not Jesus and then your finances. It's Jesus in your finances. It's not Jesus and then your family. It's Jesus in your family. It's not Jesus and, and then what you do for God or, or, or whatever other thing, your, your activities, your hobbies, your life. It's Jesus in the center of it. He reigns in your life. He is the head over all. So people say that they, they, they honor God, but what they're really saying is they've done their duty. They've done the duty that they needed to do, and so now they can continue with their lives. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away. In other words, don't just consider Jesus on Sunday. Keep considering Jesus in every moment of your life. Otherwise, we tend to drift. We drift to other saviors, and we attempt to save ourselves. And, and he's saying, if this message that was brought by the angels was reliable and judgment is real, and God sent his own son to die in your place, then how do you think that if you sidestep grace, you would be able to be saved? We cannot sidestep grace. Otherwise, we won't escape judgment. 
Let's be clear, people aren't going to be judged because they didn't try hard enough to be good. All of us have tried harder to be better. People aren't going to be judged because they didn't try hard enough to be good. They're going to be judged because they refuse to accept God's grace. That's where the judgment comes in. It's not good people that go to heaven. It's forgiven people. It's people that have chosen to submit to the righteousness that comes from God through His grace. Hebrews 10, 29, listen to this. I'm I'm, I'm skipping a couple chapters, but this one verse says what I'm saying here. It says, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, has profaned the blood of the covenant by which He was sanctified, and has insulted the Spirit of grace? Do you know how you insult the Spirit of grace? By not believing that it's enough. By still thinking that you have to save yourself. By still thinking that this is a works program. By still thinking that it's up to you to make yourself better. That's how you insult. And how will we escape punishment if we insult God's grace and say, no, I will do it in my own strength. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It's what God has confirmed. It's what he has said. This is the only way of salvation. It's the great way. Such a great salvation. So let's just submit to it. He goes on. In verse 9 and says, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. Jesus became flesh like us, like human, but he was crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. He was crowned with glory and honor so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. He was crowned with glory and honor. I love that because before we were talking about how we honor God. I honor God by going to church on a Sunday. No, he isn't just one that you honor once a week. He is crowned with honor. He is crowned. He's the king of honor. He deserves honor in every moment of every day. He reigns over all honor. And I love that, that word. Um, and, and I love the picture of it as we even have on our slide that those Roman soldiers pressed the crown of thorns into his head and his blood spilled. They didn't realize that what they were doing was crowning him with glory and honor. He tasted death for us. His blood was spilled so that ours would not have to be. He was judged so that we would not have to be. He was put to shame so that ours would be taken away, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. That's why Jesus is worthy of honor. That's why we worship him. That's why we sing. You know, I wanna, the the original word for worship was worth-ship. It was the act of ascribing worth. That's what we do. Now, if I'm gonna ascribe worth to things in my life, I don't wanna just ascribe worth to things that I love because the things that I love ranges from you know, a burger to people, right? It's, it's a very vast kind of thing. I don't, I don't wanna just ascribe worth to things that I love. A better way to, for me to decide what I'm gonna worship in my life, what I'm gonna ascribe worth to, is what loves me. What is it that loves me? And nobody has proven a greater, more consistent, more true, more faithful love to me than Jesus. So if I'm going to worship something in my life, it's not going to be my own self. It's not going to be things that I think can make me feel better. It's not going to be physical or material or possessions. It's going to be the only one and the only thing that has ever proven his love to me, and that is Jesus. And so I ascribe the greatest honor and worth to him. He is worthy of glory and honor. The word honor simply means to give great esteem, and and, and Tim Keller speaks about giving weight to that person's presence. In history, we have a guy called Martin Luther who kept thinking that God was angry with him and who kept thinking that God was punishing him and he was almost struck by lightning and he thought God was angry and, and he spilt some wine at his first uh, service that he was an altar boy at and he felt like God was mad at him and, and he, 
developed intestinal problems because he had fasted so much, um, trying to please God, until he recognized and realized through all of that prayer, through all of that pain, through all of that struggle and condemnation, he realized the grace of God. And that's what led to the 16th century reformation. This one guy who realized, wait a minute, I've been trying so hard to please God, but if I really wanna please God, I need to believe in God. If you wanna please God, believe in God. That's how you ascribe worth to God. That's how you ascribe honor to God. This is a quote that Martin Luther, he then um, was under attack by the church at that time because this was such a revolutionary message. And he hid in an attic in Germany, writing, translating the Bible from Latin into German for a year. And, uh, and in that time, he wrote a letter to the Pope that was part of, you know, the Catholic Church. At that time, the Roman Catholic Church was hunting him as a heretic. And he wrote a letter called Concerning Christian Liberty to Pope Leo. And he said, thus the soul, in firmly believing the promises of God, holds him to be true and righteous. You declare that God is true and righteous if you firmly believe in his promises. And it can attribute to God no higher honor and glory than the credit of being so. When you trust what God says about your life, you say you ascribe honor to him and glory to him. In doing so, the soul shows itself prepared to do his whole will. In other words, if you want to honor God, believe God. If you want to glorify God, believe him. Because what you do when you say somebody, when you believe in somebody is you're saying they are worthy of this belief. And in converse, there is no greater rebellion or insult than to not trust in what a person has said, to not believe in them as a person. You're not ascribing honor, you're dishonoring. And, and another, and the antonym for honor is disgrace, to disgrace them. I love that. So here's the point. If you wanna honor God in your life, Believe. When he said that you are forgiven, do you believe that this morning? When he said you are loved, do you believe that this morning? When Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished, do you believe that? Because if you want to honor him, that's the best way to honor him, to believe. Don't supplement this great salvation. Honor God, give weight to what he has done. That's why David said, I see the Lord always before me. I won't be shaken. We give weight to what God has done to his presence. We glorify God, and to glorify God means to give voice to his attributes, to make him known. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You see how Jesus is in the middle. It's a, he's in the middle of what we do. He's our entire lives, and we give glory to him when we walk in the finished work. We live in the light of the power of his goodness and grace and mercy and kindness and love and, and we make that goodness known the more we live by it and through it. We bring glory to his name. So you see that honoring Jesus doesn't mean just coming to church on Sunday. That could be a part of it, but it's not a religious program. It's faith in your heart. That's why we come to church because we have faith and we wanna grow in that faith. He's the king of honor and glory. So the writer of Hebrews is essentially saying, don't drift away from the message of God's grace because then you're neglecting the great salvation. Don't drift away. Listen, Jesus came. God sent his best messenger in him, his own self and shared the greatest message. So don't neglect the salvation. Believe it. Honor him. Glorify him for what he has done. I want to finish this off this morning by talking about when we are most tempted to do this. When are we most tempted to 
turn away from this great salvation and the grace of God and, and, and to try and fix ourselves. And yesterday I went out, I needed some, some clothes and I went out to a mall and I normally have like a time limit. I wanna be in there for like an hour max. You know, I have two, three shops I wanna go to and then I wanna get out of there. But I don't know if, you've ever, if this has ever happened, but I am never more motivated to get into gym and to exercise than when I get undressed in a changing room. Can I have an amen this morning? Come on. Like, I mean, you, it doesn't matter how fit you think you are. When you get undressed, I don't know if it's the lighting. I don't know if, if it's the ugly curtain behind you or the small space or the fact that there are so many mirrors. But whatever it is, when I'm there, I'm like, yep, that's it. Gym tomorrow morning. That's it. In fact, I'm going to go right now. I'm going to go to gym, right? And so in the same way, we are never more motivated to try and fix ourselves than when we encounter our own weakness. When are you going to be tempted to turn away from Jesus and to fix yourself, to turn away from trusting in God's grace and to fix yourself. It's when you encounter your weakness because you say to yourself, I've got to do something to make this different. I've got to do something to, to overcome this. And, there, and that's a good thought to have, but the way that we do it is by remaining faithful to what Jesus has called us to, by believing, because the believing brings the change, by beholding, because as we behold him, we are transformed. So, in the same way that we're tempted to fix ourselves, we do this in our weaknesses. And what God is saying to us through this chapter in the, book of, in the book of Hebrews is, consider Jesus. When you encounter your weakness, consider Jesus. Don't try and fix yourself. I did this with my boys when I was younger. If I lost my temper or I said something I didn't, want, didn't mean to say or, or something happened in the house that, that I wasn't happy about and I had failed in some way, rather than telling them, well, that's, that's what daddy does and it's fine, you'll get over it. I took my boys, even when they were younger, and I said, you know what, daddy isn't perfect and daddy needs Jesus. And I even had Eli pray with me one time that God would help me be better. Because what I know is in the future, my sons will encounter their own weaknesses and in those moments, I want them to consider Jesus. Rather than hating themselves, condemning themselves, or, or, or feeling as if they're worthless, that they would re remember that when dad encountered his weaknesses, he turned to Jesus, and so I can turn to Jesus too. In other words, when we encounter weakness, we are invited to run straight into the arms of God rather than running away from him, rather than trying to save ourselves. Won't you believe the message this morning? Won't you believe the message and trust in him who tasted death for us all? Because by doing so, you crown him with honor and glory. The thing about admitting your need, when you get to that place, when you can run to Jesus in your time of weakness, when you admit your need, you're also open to receive help. When you can't admit need, you can't be helped. But when you open up and you say, I need help, Jesus, and that's the prayer I pray probably more than any other prayer in my life is, Jesus, help me, <laughs> right? I pray that like every day, Jesus, help me, because I need help. Hebrews 2.10 says, it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, he brings us into that glory, should make the founder of their salvation, Jesus is the founder of our salvation, perfect through suffering. Jesus experienced suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Jesus is not afraid to call you brother or to call you sister because you are saved by grace. And the same God who took Jesus on a journey through this earth as he was sanctified, so we all are sanctified. 
And so Jesus doesn't look at you and go, well, you're too much of a sinner for me to hang out with you. There's no elite level here where if you get good enough, like in the bottom levels, you just kind of hang out with low-level angels. And then when you get better, like you maybe hang out with the archangel, you get into the VIP room. So it's not, it's not a slow lounge in the airport, you know. And then when you've really done well, you get to go like right into the cockpit with the captain. It's like, now you get to meet with Jesus. We all are called brothers and sisters. We're all welcome. Why? Because the same God who was at work in Jesus' life here on earth is sanctifying you, which means changing you and transforming you in this earth right now. There's no condemnation because you're being changed by God. The same God who was the God of Jesus, the Father of Jesus, the God, Father God is your Father. He calls you brother. He calls you sister. He continues in verse 14, and I'm almost done this morning. says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus himself likewise partook in the same things, that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear were subject to lifelong slavery. So Jesus came and he took on flesh, delivering us from the fear of this lifelong slavery to to fear and to death. We're delivered from that. He's come to help you in your weakness. For surely it is not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. The Bible says, if you are in Christ in Galatians, you are the seed or the offspring of Abraham. So Jesus came not to help angels, not to help people that are very religious, not to just, just to do things for, for the elite, but he came to help us. If you have faith in Jesus, you have help. In your weakness, you have help. In your time of trouble, you have help. The Bible says that he is a very present help in our time of need. The Bible says that we can boldly approach the throne of grace in our time of need. He helps those, the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers, like us in every respect, that he might become merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. We're all being tempted. This world shouts out at us. We're tempted by our own sinfulness and our own flesh. We're tempted to turn away from Jesus. We're tempted to fix ourselves. We're tempted to try harder to be better. We're tempted in so many different ways. And so many times it feels like we don't have the strength. Here's the great news of the gospel. You don't have the strength. So you can stop trying and start trusting. Because you have a very present help. We put Jesus in the center of our weakness And we admit our need and we say, Jesus, I will not neglect the great message that you brought. I will believe in it and I will crown you with honor and glory in my life. And I will say, I need you, Jesus. The moment you do that, the glory of God will flood your life. And you'll start to see things change that you've never been able to change in your own strength. You want to change? Trust in Jesus. Look to Jesus. He destroyed the power of death over your life. And he came to help us. He was like us. He experienced all those things. And, was, and made atonement for our sins. So the next time you stand in the change room of faith and you encounter your own weakness, I want to encourage you, don't be tempted to fix yourself, but consider Jesus. Consider Jesus because he is able to help you. Don't hide from God. He's not ashamed of you. He is compassionate. He's real help. And he is real victory in Jesus' name. That's what we have in Jesus. So won't you consider him in your weakness? Amen? Amen. 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 Come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise this morning.